um, we're discovering speaking this morning. He's, on, he's, he's leading tonight's service, our, uh, tonight's gathering, our, our live lounge at six o'clock. Please be there. Uh, Colin's leading that one. And we've discovered he's also on stewarding duty tonight as well. So he's leading this morning. He's on stewarding and he's leading tonight and on stewarding. So we're going to let you off stewarding this week. We're going to cover you. Okay. Would you give a massive round of applause to this incredibly faithful man of God? Thought you were going to say that you were letting me off speaking this morning. I thought I got away with it then. <laughs> there was a song a few years back. Can you remember it? The Bartender and the Thief by the Stereophonics. I'm not going to talk about that this morning. I'm going to talk about the Shepherd and the Thief. Um, have you ever had anybody trying to? trying to rob you, trying to scam you. You get these phone calls all the time, don't you? You know, if, if you answer the phone, then somebody, you know, they're trying to, trying to scam you something. They say it's, it's from your bank. They send you emails, pretending you're from the bank, pretending you're from any, any type of organisation, you know, and, and you, you can tell them, you know, you know that it's a scam. And what, what I've, I've found is something I, I, I sometimes do. Um, when, when they come on, I said, do you mind if I put you on hold? And surprisingly, they said, they said no, that's okay. So I put some music on, and I put the phone next to the, uh, next to the speaker, and it's surprising how long they'll stay on the line <laughs> if they think that they've got you, you know. And uh, so that, that's worth a try, you know. But, uh, but it would be nice if, uh, if thieves look something like that, if you could tell what they look like, you know, that would be nice. But they don't, they don't, they don't uh, look like that. It's not always uh, evident. If you've ever been burgled, if you've ever been uh, had your house broken into, then, you know, how do you feel when, when it's happened? You, you feel angry. You know, it's not, you know, it's not something that you want. It's, you know, you feel violated that somebody's been in, into your house, that they've taken your things, that they've, uh, they've just been in your property. You know, they don't, carry a bag that says swag on it. They don't dress in a, in, in a burglar's uniform. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they try and uh, rob or they try and take things, whether it's uh, uh, banking fraud, whether it's uh, breaking into your house, they try and take it by, by stealth, by, by uh, trying to trick you. They come onto your property uninvited. The thing about the thief is that the thief takes something that he's got no right to take. He's got no, no legal right. He's got no right to, to, to have what, what is yours. You know, it belongs to you. And uh, he's got no right to take it. We're going to read uh, from, from John's Gospel in uh, some words that Jesus said. And this is in John chapter 10. Jesus said, Therefore Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
We're concentrating on those words that Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, have life. And that, Jesus said that, and they will have it to the full. There's so much meaning in that. Jesus says that uh, the reason why he came is for us to have life, have life in its fullness. Some translations say abundant life, have it in abundance. That's that's a rich word, isn't it? A word full full of meaning. That Jesus has come to give us rich life, abundant life, full life, life that, that's meaningful. He wants us to have life. It doesn't just mean existing. He doesn't just want us to exist. But he wants us to, to live the life that we, li- that we are living. To, to actually live it. To actually um, enjoy it. Jesus gives eternal life to everyone who comes to him. But it's much more than just life that goes on and on and on. It doesn't just give, give us life that lives, that, that, that lasts forever. But it gives us life with purpose, life with meaning. That's what Jesus said. I've come that they might have life and have it uh, in all its fullness. Somebody's enjoying life in all its fullness there. Brilliant. <laughs> Jesus came to, to give us this life, this, this, this full, meaningful life. That's something that, that we, need, we need to keep in mind as we look at this. It's, the message says, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's, that's a good, good way of putting it. That, that's, that's what Jesus gives. But then the thief comes. And then Jesus says, a thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. The, the thief comes to get the opposite, to try and get the opposite of what Jesus wants uh, for us. And the thief, what, what Jesus is talking about, that, that's the devil. We've got, we've got an enemy who wants us to rob us of what Jesus has got for us. But what Jesus has got for us is our right when we come to, uh, to him in faith, when we, when we trust in him, when we trust in Jesus, then the devil tries to rob us. But the devil's got no right to do that. But... The question is, will we allow that? Will we allow him? So how does a thief come to steal and to kill and to destroy? As we say, he comes to take that from us. He wants to take that which God has given to us. John 10 is a passage that demonstrates the love and the care that that Jesus has for for those who, who love him, for those who trust in him. Demonstrates the blessings that arise in Jesus. Now, the first, first thing that the devil will try and do, or that the thief will try and do, is to, to, to rob us from knowing Jesus in the first place. So if, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never known Jesus this morning, then that is God's purpose in, in your life. That is what God's plan for your life is, that, that you will know him, that you will know him as your saviour. So if you've never come to know him, then don't let that be snatched away, but, but you need to give your life to Jesus. That is what we're all about. As a, as a church, we want to tell you that Jesus is worth it. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, Jesus, he is worth it and he's worth trusting in. That's, that's God's main purpose for you. But then, if we, if we know Jesus, if we know Jesus is Lord, then, you know, God has got so much for us. So assuming that that is the case, then, don't fail to take hold of, uh, of the blessings that God has got for you. God has got so much. One of the, the mistakes that we make when we read th- these words, 
when it says that Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and have it in all its fullness. Some people think it's, it's life without problems. No, it's not. I can't, I, I'm sorry to tell you that's, that's not what it means. That'd be nice if it were the case, wouldn't it? That'd be good, but, it, but it's not. It doesn't, there's some people who might tell you that. They might tell you that if, if you trust in Jesus, then you'll never be ill. You'll, you'll never have money worries. I've never found that. Maybe I don't trust enough, but I can't find it in the Bible. I can't find it in the Bible where it tells me that. Jesus gave us a promise. We, we, we like the promises of Jesus, don't we? We like to, to, um, to uh, hear what the promises are. This is one of the promises that Jesus gave. In this world, you will have trouble. That's not one of the promises that we encourage one another with, is it? Got a word from the, from the Lord for you. In this world, you're going to have trouble. And I can honestly tell you that that's one of the promises that I know to be true. We could have found it in, in my own life. If we were to go around every one of us this morning, we could all testify and say, yeah. You know, I can tell, I can tell you that, that is true. All of us can, can tell, you know, that, that we face trouble from, from time to time, maybe a lot of the time. We believe, as a church, we believe that God answers prayer. We believe that God can deliver us. But yet, it's still true that, that as Christians and as non-Christians, just, just like everybody else, we, we face troubles. The good news, however... Is that that's only part of the verse. You know, if, if you read that these, uh, these words of Jesus in, in John um, 16 and the, and the verses going up to it, the, the, the chapters 13 to 17, is that it's a long um, passage just before Jesus um, is taken to be, to be crucified. And the long passage of Jesus giving really rich teaching, encouraging his people. He prays for uh, the disciples. He prays for us, uh, the, the Believers who will come after, it encourages us to, to love one another. and gives so much great, rich teaching. Jesus tells about that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And it's in these, these, um, these chapters that, that Jesus gives these words. But that's not the full verse, because it, it, the full verse says, it says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart I have overcome the world. That is, that is a full verse. That is a, that is a promise that we can claim. I've told you these things, that you may have peace. You've been hearing about that, Paul. We were speaking about that earlier. We can have peace. We can have hope. Uh, in whatever the circumstances, whatever circumstances we're going through, there are no circumstances that we, that we can face where we can't have that peace, where we can't know hope in our, in our circumstances. We can face that. We can have hope. We can have peace in our circumstances. Yeah, <coughs> when we have faith in Jesus, then we can have, have peace. Whatever else we're facing, so often we, and by that I mean I, can be overcome by the problems. We can look at the problems. And we can focus on the problems instead of on Jesus. And that's when that peace and when that hope disappears, we, we, lose, we lose sight of it. We lose sight of it and, we, and we, we, we let go of that peace. 
when we go through hard times, we, we focus on, on the problems. We sometimes think about Peter and uh, when he, he walked on the water, he says to Jesus, he saw Jesus walking on the water and, uh, and he said to Jesus, Lord, if you tell me to come to you, then, then I can come to you, I can walk on the water. And, and he, he walked on the water, but then he began to sink because he looked at the problems all around him. And it's easy to criticize Peter, and, but if I was in his shoes, for one thing, my feet would be wet, but, um, <laughs> but if I was in his shoes, I think I tend to look at the problems as well, and I take my eyes off Jesus. And when I do that, then that's when I lose focus. But, G- but we've got that, um, that promise that Jesus got. We've got that, uh, something that Jesus got for us, that we can have peace, we can have hope. Whatever our circumstances, whatever we're facing, it doesn't mean that our circumstances are suddenly going to get uh, be, be good. It doesn't mean that all the difficulties are going to disappear. But it means that in it, that Jesus is with us. Sometimes we, it can be so overwhelming that we, that we need somebody to, to support us. And that's why we're here as a church. That why, that's why the church is here, that we might support one another when we're facing you know, these circumstances and it seems so hard and so difficult. And sometimes we need to just grab somebody else and, and ask them to pray for us, just ask them to be with us. Sometimes just somebody else being there can help us to focus and to lift our focus. Sometimes we need somebody else to, to believe for us when, when we are being tested. But that's why we're here for one another. And that's important that we are here, that we, that we encourage one another, that we support one another, that we pray for one another. And it might be that you need that this morning. It might be that you need somebody else to, just to encourage you. And if, the, if you feel like that, if, you, if thing, things are overwhelming, then go to somebody else and just say, can you, can you help me? Can you just pray with me? And it can help us to, to lift our focus from our problems and to focus on Jesus. That's why we're here as a church. We're here to support and to encourage one another. That's why we, we're never meant to be in isolation as Christians. We, we're, we're made to be together. But then we're also called to live a spirit-filled life. The thief will try and rob us of that. He doesn't want us to, to experience the fullness of God's spirit in our lives. And he'll try and rob us of that. Paul in Ephesians 4 said these words. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, then we lose that peace, what we've been talking about. We lose the the peace in our hearts. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? It doesn't mean that he abandons us. We're still Christians. But to grieve, if you grieve someone, then that you, that you upset someone, you, you cause, them, cause them grief. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee of our salvation. So when uh, Paul says this, he, he says, uh, we are sealed for the day of redemption. We, we guarantee, like a guarantee. So it, it, we, you know, we, we don't lose what we, our, our, our faith. We don't lose our, um, our salvation. It doesn't take away um, the salvation that we have. He's a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee uh, that is on our lives. As Christians, we're... Wherever we are, if we've trusted in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is that guarantee. If you've got a guarantee on, on a product, then 
you've got peace of mind for the, however long the guarantee is. If it's a year's guarantee, then you know, you've got peace of mind then. Usually it breaks down the, the day after the guarantee runs out. Can anybody remember when, when things broke down and, and used to get them repaired? Your, your telly broke down and used to get the TV repairman out. You know, used to take the back off the telly, you know, and, and yeah, and uh, used to, you know, and say, oh, the tube's gone over here, you know, and, uh, you know, and now if it, if it breaks down, you just get rid of it and you get a new one, don't you? You know, you don't, uh, nobody comes to mend it. But if you've got a guarantee, then you've got peace of mind for however long the guarantee is. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee, and it's a guarantee. It's not a lifetime guarantee, it's an eternal guarantee that He comes and He seals it and He gives us that guarantee that we are His, that we, are, we belong to God for all eternity. But yet, we can still grieve the Holy Spirit. We can still cause Him to, to feel sorrow by the way that we live sometimes, by our actions by the things that we do. As we said, it doesn't mean it abandons us, but it does mean that we can put a barrier up between us and him. We heard the other week, uh, Paul was speaking a, a, a few weeks back, and uh, he told us the words, he says, character is more important than competency. Now that was a week, remember, when uh, there was a, we had the storm, and uh, I don't want that one yet. We had the storm, and we had the, we had the uh, we had the power cut, and there was the uh, uh, there were no live lounge. The live lounge were cancelled. Now we had we had uh, uh, we had some visitors actually staying staying with us, and so I know everybody else because there were no live lounge. They uh, the, the went to home and the the when. You know, went into intense Bible study and prayer. <laughs> but we, we instead, we, we decided to have a game of Monopoly. <laughs> but then, you know, is there is anybody else, when, when you play Monopoly, does it end up like that? You know, that's, that's usually how, how Monopoly ends up. There's one person smug because they're winning everybody else. You know, <laughs> well... well when we're playing Monopoly the other, the other week, these words, Paul, Paul used these words in the sermon, and, and his words were, were, you know, spoke back to me while we're playing Monopoly. Somebody said, character is more important than competency, you know. <laughs> I thought, that's out of order, that, you know. Just because we're gifted spiritually doesn't necessarily mean that we've got the character to go with it. That may mean, it may mean that we don't handle our, our gifting, the gifting that God has given us with maturity. We can all be gifted, but we also need to handle that with maturity. But that we need to have the, the spirits uh, filling, to, that we might be mature Christians, mature believers. The New Testament is full of letters to, to, to churches, Churches have problems. Churches that are, that are, that are gifted, that have, you know, they've got many of the gifts of the Spirit. The church in Corinth is one of the best examples in that. They were a church that didn't lack any of the gifts. They were a gifted church, but yet they were full of problems. They were so full of problems. They've got major problems within that church. They didn't have the character. They were a mess. 
there were still Christians. You know, there were, there were, there were Christians, there were no, no doubt about that. They were gifted, but they thought that was enough. So it didn't matter how they lived their lives. But Paul writes to them and he tells them, it's important, it's important how you live your lives. Because when we, when we don't live as we should, then, then we grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is grieved in our lives. It's important to take seriously Paul's words. Not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Not to make the mistake of thinking because we're gifted, because we've got spiritual gifts in our life, then that means that we're walking okay, that everything's okay. Don't make that mistake of thinking that, that gifting uh, means that, that, that we're getting it all right. God is gracious and God gifts us. But we also need to, to make sure we, we're living right, that we're not grieving the Holy Spirit, that we allow the Spirit to fill us. How do we grieve Him? How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? We grieve Him by our actions. When we go our own way and not God's way. Anytime we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. But there are a number of specific things that, that Paul seems to single out. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. It can be easy when we're annoyed to use words that don't build other people up. Words that, instead of building people up, knock them down. Sometimes we, we hear that expression, people say, well, it's only words. There's no such thing as only words because words, the words that we use are, are the things that we use to communicate how we are, what we feel. And when we use words that, that knock people down, then it, it can be hurtful and it can do a lot of damage when we are careless with what we say. And I know how easy it is to let circumstances get, you know, um, be our focus and to, to use careless words. And doing that grieves the Holy Spirit. When we, when we don't treat people how we should treat them, then it grieves the Holy Spirit. We can use words to kill a person's reputation. If I know something about Neil and I... You know, and not, nobody else really knows it. And I, and I tell you, and I say, you know, you, you come to me and you say, isn't Neil brilliant? You know, he even gives money away in his sermon. You know, he's, he's brilliant. And I said to you, yeah, but, you know, do, do you know what I know about? You know, just let me tell you. Well, I'm just, you know, just for, you know, just to put you right, you know. Why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because I'm, I'm, I'm scared that you're going to think more of Neil than you do about me. And so I just tell you something about him, to try, just to try and blacken his reputation a bit, just so that, you know, just so that you'll, you'll not think as highly of him, so that I'll feel a bit smug. Now, I don't, I don't have any secrets against him, you know, so don't, don't worry. He's, uh, he's kept them all to himself, you know. But when we do that... We do it to, and we feel a bit, we feel a bit smug because we, because uh, we, and when we do that, when we, when we t say something about somebody else, it might not be so blatant, it might be really subtle, that we just say something, we just say a few words about somebody else, and it just casts that little bit of doubt on, on them, and people think, oh, well, you know, I, I never knew that. We need to be careful with the words that we use, not to, not to 
kill people's reputation. We can do the work of the thief for him when we try and kill a person's reputation by the words that we use. On the other hand, words that encourage can lift our spirits. Gentle words are a tree of life, it says in Proverbs, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So we can either crush a person's spirit or we can, be, uh, we can speak life. The words that we use to people make a big difference. They make a big difference in their lives and we can use them to, to build people up, to, to help them to grow or we can use them to knock them down. And again, Proverbs tells us that, that when we are kind, then we don't only bless others, but we do good to ourselves as well. Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. So we don't hurt other people only, but we hurt ourselves with the words, and we grieve the Holy Spirit, and we stop the Holy Spirit from being who he wants to be in our lives when we use words that are destructive. Paul also tells us that bitterness, rage, and anger grieve the Holy Spirit. We need to forgive one another when they hurt us. The truth is we will be hurt by people. People in, in this church, they'll hurt you because they're human. That's going to happen. It might have happened in the past. If it's not, it's going to happen in the future. You might be you know, upset with somebody now because of something what they've said, because of something what they've done. And you think, well, you know, if, if only, you know, if only people knew what, what, they'd, what they'd said or what they'd done. If we bottle the anger and, and resentment, eventually it will come out in a negative way. If we lash out against people with words or if, we, if we're just resentful towards them because of where they've been, if we, if we're not, uh, if we fail to forgive people, then it just, it just cripples ourselves. We, we hurt ourselves. It's, there's, a, there's that saying, it's, uh, it's saying that um, not holding on to, not forgiving somebody or being resentful towards somebody. It's, um, it's like drinking poison and, and, and hoping it's going to damage the other person. And that, that's what it does. We, we, we hold on to that resentment and it, and it damages ourselves. It doesn't damage the other person. It damages uh, us. When we fail to forgive others, then we simply harm ourselves. Holding on to resentment cripples and stunts our spiritual growth. Our words and our actions can grieve the Holy Spirit. Or we can please him by our actions. The thief wants us to grieve. He wants us to, he wants us to, to snatch from us that, uh, that closeness to, to God. He wants, he wants want us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants the Holy Spirit to be grieved in our lives. But the, the desire of God, the desire of Jesus is that we will walk in the Spirit. That we'll be full of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit will be in our, in our lives, working in our lives, equipping us, that we're not only gifted, but that we um, have the ability to, and the wisdom to use that gift rightly and properly. And then, another thing, the thief doesn't want us to finish the race well. The Apostle Paul was concerned that it would finish well. He didn't want, it, he didn't want to get so far and then drop out of the race. He said these words in, uh, 
in 1 Corinthians 9. It says, do you, do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it as my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is saying he disciplines himself like, like an athlete, like a, like a boxer, he says, uh, I'm going to strict training, like a, like a runner, I'm going to training. We hear about, about the wolf, and well, a few, um, well, last year, I started doing the couch to 5K. So it's, I started on the couch, I got up to 5K, but then I went back to the couch again, you know, so. And I'm, uh, I didn't, didn't need a nap to get back to the couch, you know, that, that was easy. That was the easy bit. Paul never rested on his laurels. Just because God had used him in the past didn't mean that he could become complacent. A few weeks ago, I celebrated a birthday, and, and unless I live to an exceptionally large age, then I'm over halfway through. You know, I hope I've got a few years left yet, you know, I hope I've, uh, but no, however, however far away or how near the finishing line is, that the desire of God in our lives, and our desire should be that we finish well, and we finish well by, by making sure that we're running well now. We don't wait until we get to the end to, to, to try and make sure we finish well. We, we've got to be trained, we've got to be, be ready now and uh, working now to, to um, to make sure we do. John, in his second epistle, urges his readers, he says, Watch out that you do not lose what we've worked for, but that you may receive, but that you may be rewarded fully. He encourages his readers not to get so far and then lose out. It's, a pos- it's possible to achieve much and then to lose it. Now, Paul, John. Sorry, John isn't telling them that they can lose their salvation because he's telling them that they don't want to lose what they've worked for. They've not worked to, to be saved. Their, their salvation is, is a free gift. That's a free gift from, from God. So that's, you know, that's at the very heart of, of, what, is, of what we believe. You know, that, that we are, when we are saved, Jesus saves us. We are saved and uh, we're saved for eternity. So that's not what John's talking about but we can lose what we've achieved in God. We can lose the, the, the gift in uh, the, uh, what we've built for him. We can lose uh, um, what we've built in our, in our Christian lives. We build on the foundation that is Jesus. We work and we do good as Christians, not in order that God uh, will save us. We, we do that because we're saved. We do uh, good, we do good works, we do things uh, because God has saved. We do it as a thank you in a sense because God has been so good to us that we want to give back to God. And once we're saved, we build our lives on that foundation that is Jesus. And every one of us is building something. If we are Christians, we are building uh, on, with our lives. 
is what we're building going to last? Again, it's important to stress what we're building doesn't save us. We're saved by, by the grace of God. But is what we're building, is it? Are we building something that's going to last? Are we pointing people to Jesus? Are we, but are, through our lives, are we showing that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the way to God? Are we pointing people to Jesus? Hopefully what we're building will bring glory to God. Hopefully the way that we live our lives should point people to him. If we become careless, then it can cause what we're building to be damaged. And instead of pointing people to Jesus, then it stops doing that. If we, if we live lives that are not glorifying to God, then what we've built and what we've done, then people will, will be discouraged and they'll think, well, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Our lives should point people to Jesus. The first letter to the Corinthians, Paul speaks about how we build our lives as Christians. He <clears throat> says, For no, no one can lay any foundation other than, than the one already laid, that is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what, he has, been built, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss but yet will be saved even as only one escaping through flames. Now these are, might seem difficult verses to get our heads around but Paul is saying that one day the work that we've done will be tested. You ever had builders in and they turn out to be cowboys? You know, you get programs on TV, don't you, about, about cowboy builders, cowboy workmen, you know, they come in, they, they look at it, oh, and take that sharpening, take a breath, oh dear, that's uh, going to need a lot of work on that. You know, and then when they've gone, it starts falling to pieces. You've been taken in by, by cowboys. Well, we encourage John, um, Paul, Paul encourages us, don't be a cowboy builder. Build with material that's going to last. Build with things that are worthwhile. We've been saved, we've been saved for eternity. So build, make something of that life that, that God has given you. And build for God's glory and for God's kingdom. Paul says that if our work endures, then we'll receive a reward. If not, then the, the work will be burnt up, he says, and we'll have nothing to show for it. But yet we'll still be saved. On that day when, when I stand before him, I want to be able to say, I've, 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 I've not wasted my life. I don't want to be able to say, well, you know, what did I do since you saved me? I don't really know. I didn't really do anything. I want to be able to do something for him. And we can all finish well. That's the legacy that, that God wants for us. The thief wants to snatch that away. He doesn't want us to, to live well. He doesn't want us to, to finish well. We, we finish well by, by living well, by living well now. 
That's the legacy that we're to finish well. And it's our right as believers. It's what Jesus has achieved for us. The thief comes to try and take what he's got no right to take. It's not something to consider when we get old. It's something to consider now. If we're not building something that's going to last, if we're not doing that now, then it's not too late to put that right to, to start changing. That, that's, that's a wonderful thing about, about the, the, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that, that wherever we are, it's never too late. So as long as we're breathing, it's never too late to, to put it right. It's never too late to, to, to put, put right what we need to what put right. And that, that's, that is good news. If uh, the band want to start making the way back, please. As we heard, as we heard, the thief, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. My purpose, says Jesus, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The thief wants to rob us of all that we have in Jesus. And he will try and use stealth, he'll try and use deception, he'll try and use anything he can. But the thief, as we said, tries to take what doesn't belong to him. We've got so much to, to, to believe and we've so much to claim in Jesus. We've got so much that is, is bought for us on, on the cross. He, he died on the cross in order to redeem us and in order only to uh, to save us and then say, I'll see you later, see you when you get to heaven. But he walks with us and he goes with us through our lives and he's got a purpose and he's got a meaning and he wants us to live meaningful lives. That's what it's all about, living lives that are meaningful, living lives that are going to bear fruit. Have you been bearing fruit? He, Jesus wants us to bear fruit for him. That's his desire. That's his desire for each one of us and we can all do that. We can all bear that fruit. Jesus wants us to have all that is made available for us. He wants us to take hold of it. If we've not done that, we can put it right. We can put it right now. Maybe we've allowed circumstances to, to just cloud our peace, just to take our peace away, just to, to take that hope away that we have. We can put that right now. We can focus on Jesus. Maybe we've grieved the Holy Spirit. Maybe we've held on to, to bitterness against somebody and, and we need to forgive them. If somebody's hurt you, then we need to forgive them. We need to just let go of the, of the bitterness, let go of the, the anger and just say, I, I'm, I forgive you. Maybe you need to, to go up to somebody and, and put things right. If that's the case, then do that. Maybe we've made a bit of a mess of things in our lives. Maybe our lives are a bit of a mess even as Christians. And we think, what have I done? Well, it's never too late to put that right. Put it right. Put it right by looking to Jesus again. The way back is always repentance by. Just turning around and by focusing back on Jesus. As followers of Jesus, a legacy that he has for us is life in its fullness, rich and satisfying life. 
No one has got the right to rob that from us. No one. The thief comes, but he's got no right to take from us. He's got no right. We need to hold on, fix our eyes on Jesus and say, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to allow uh, the thief to, to rob me of the blessings that God has got for me because he's got so many blessings for us. And if you need to put it right, then, then put it right. Have a word with somebody. Just ask somebody to pray with you. Just speak to somebody and say, I'm sorry for the way I've been. If they've hurt you and they might not even know it, then just put it right. It doesn't mean you've got to tell them all about it, but just make peace with them. But don't allow the thief to rob us of what, what God has got for us.